0: And welcome to episode 29 of the Brood Sages, Stormbound players with a head for the game. I am Freeloader, and with me as always is Subaiku, and for the last time, Arthas. Subaiku, how's it going tonight? Fantastic. And Arthas, you're leaving us.
1: Yeah, (laughs) I feel like the time has caught up to me. (laughs) And uh, I mean, I have have a lot of reasons regarding why I may be leaving, uh, especially the podcast and... Maybe the game entirely, but uh, we'll talk more about that later.
0: Yeah, let's let's uh, let's make that our main topic for the evening. Um, so for all of you listening, we are The Brood Sages, easily the second best Stormbound-related podcast in production. As a reminder, you can always follow us at Brood Sages on Twitter, or for all of you who had the theme song to Thundercats memorized, our email address is thebroodsages at gmail.com. Uh, so guys, some community news. Uh, there is a draft tournament uh, starting up hosted by uh, the one and only Reckless Rush. I don't know, uh, Sabaiku, did you ever get to play in one of these draft tournaments? I have not played in a draft tournament, and uh,
2: unfortunately, I could not be a part of this one.
0: Oh, dang. I always love these draft tournaments
1: by Reckless. They're always, I would say, one of my favorite, like, equals events whenever it does come up. I mean, I'm, I'm you know, obviously, I'm participating in this one. <laughs>
0: yeah, I mean, th- this mad lad has effectively reprogrammed all the scripting inside of Discord, <laughs> such that you you there's a bot running that asks you a question. It shows you literally three cards, and uh, you have to give a reaction. There's three reactions. There's like a red, a yellow, and a I think it's red, yellow, blue, or red, yellow, green. I don't remember right now. And it's just and that's how it works. So the bot asks you a question. You have one minute to respond by giving a reaction to the question. And red, yellow, or blue represent the three different options you have. So red could be green prototypes. Blue could be, you know, gifted recruits and and yellow could be, I don't know, uh, lawless herd. And, and that's how it works. You just go through 12 times and, and you're done. It is the coolest thing to, to think that he sat down and ran, you know, and developed the script from scratch. Uh, and it works beautifully. It, it really is cool. It's obviously played in equals um, to give everybody a fair shake at it. And uh, Arthas, how's it going so far for you?
1: Well, I won the first match. It went straight into brackets, I guess. With uh, There's also a loser's bracket too. So um, the person I beat, uh, three y, three y, I guess. Um, yeah, he's down to losers, and uh, I guess I'm moving forward. You know, my deck, it's amazing, it's absolutely brilliant. Mia evanrock Rock, yes, that's it. Runners, <laughs> <laughs> the ultimate combo, <laughs> it's the forbidden combo, the unspeakable forbidden combo.
0: You, you can't even flex with Unstable. That's that's so harsh.
1: <laughs> and it's it's funny because like I'm playing Ironclad, but I only have two Ironclad cards in there, and that's Mia and
0: Diva Glockers. Oh, man. Sounds like a winter deck. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Uh, moving on from the draft tournament, best of luck to everyone in it, Arthas included. Uh, for those of you who have been watching the uh, race at the top of the Heroes League, um, we are recording this on the 28th. So there's a couple of days to go. This hopefully airs before the end of it. Um, the Heroes League uh, top two have been for a while now, back and forth between Thomas Petrie and the Merc. But as of right now, that's all been shaken up quite a bit. Uh, Thomas Petrie is still in first, but Lombardman in second. UZ 93 in third. The Merc is down to fourth. Hobbs is in fifth. Real, our our winner from last month out of nowhere has popped into the top 10 in the last like two or three days. KKA7 has one of the most amazing, (laughs) amazing swarm decks I have seen in the Heroes League. It's running Draconic Roamers, guys, and he's sitting up there in seventh. Tony Goomer, who was top 10 last month, has also made a late push. He is now in eighth, Blue Phoenix ninth, and Lu Kamwa. Lu Lu-Ku-Am, I hope I'm pronouncing it correctly. Lu Kamwa. <laughs> let's go with that. Lu Kamwa is in tenth. Um, best of luck to all of them. But but with some of these players moving up out of nowhere, uh, you know, they, they haven't been in the top ten until late. I'm I'm thinking there's still some energy and some movement to happen. It
2: sounds like they really have taken your advice from last month to heart. Tried to stay in the middle of the pack for most of the month, and uh, making that late push to try to get
0: into the top ten, try to win it all. Yeah, some fresh legs late uh, means this could be very exciting going down the stretch. Uh, so, with that, let's move into our main topic, Arthas. Uh, you are leaving the podcast, and 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 like you said, perhaps even the uh, the game. To, to let it, what is going on.
1: Yeah, it sounds like it's quite out of nowhere, but I'm pretty sure, like, I don't know, some of the very loyal listeners out there can already hear the undertone in my voice and my uh, disappointments in the game, although I try my best to uh, be optimistic. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the game, it's its really, I don't know, it's just not fun anymore, and it, it's even worse than just not fun, you know? It's just straight up making me this, like, angry, toxic person. And, uh... And honestly, it, I mean, it sucks to just blame it on one thing, and it sounds like it, but this only really started once Heroes League was introduced. Heroes League with the crazy competitive environment it brings along with it, you know? And um, I'm not saying Heroes League is a mistake, um, although I have said that before, but I don't mean that literally. I think Heroes League is something that almost all games should probably have, you know, that kind of com- competitive aspect... Unfortunately, I just don't like the uh, competitive atmosphere in terms of Stormbound the game because you know what comes with it? Same old, same old decks with the same unbalanced cards because of balances and like nerfs and buffs or I don't know, they kind of, they don't go as often as we would like. I mean, sure, it's every month, but it's every month and half of them are cards like no one uses or something. And so it's just the same stuff, same siren or whatever for one that makes it pretty boring already and then I don't know I really don't like the maxed the maxed meta level five it seems that a lot of the games are decided around like six or seven mana I'm not saying that you lose six or seven mana like obviously games last longer than that but like I really really feel like in my experience they just seem to be decided at six or seven mana you're just kind of forced to play it it just puts like a like salt on the wound you know and I mean, the thing I really don't like about it is that, yeah, you know, competitive, and I'm sure a lot of people have asked for this. Some people also don't like it, right? That's completely fair. This is, you know, up to personal preference. But <laughs> like I said in one of the episodes, uh, there's just no escaping it. I'm basically forced to play Heroes League. Like, sure, you can argue I can stay down in Diamond, but there's, like, not even that many people in Diamond level. It's just bots. And I the only reason I'm in Heroes League is just to like avoid the stupidly long queue times just to queue in some into some bot that I'm gonna insta concede to anyway because uh, uh resources don't really matter to me given how little I actually get from them so I just want to play players right and Heroes League is kind of the only reliable way to do that but because of that like you know people I don't know it's just not the environment I love to play in anymore I mean. What, I spent so much money in this game finally being able to, like, explore so many decks, way more than I ever thought I could be, right? You know, with exploring mid-range, control, knowing to ditch rush, because it's absolutely boring. Sorry, guys. But anyway, (laughs) I have so many decks that I still want to try, and I'm still building, and I still want to publish into Stormbound Kitty, but I can't even, like, you know, test them properly anymore, because it's like, sure, some of them are, like, you know, not the best, And they struggle in Heroes League, right? Whatever. Like, I don't mind struggling in Heroes League, but I can't even properly test a deck and its general strength if I'm just playing against two decks, you know? It's just like, why am I even trying to play this deck when I can't even get the kind of, like, experience or discovery I can get from it just because people are playing the same things or I get a bad draw before five, six mana. I don't even see my entire deck, that's you know capable of dealing with the enemy's deck. I just didn't have them at the right time, and the games are decided, and I just have to play through it. It's just so much frustration, man. It it's <laughs> I really don't I really don't find any fun anymore with the game, and it's it's really sad to say that that's how it is right now.
2: Well, we're definitely sorry to see you go, Arthas, and um, you know those are certainly. Uh, 100% valid reasons. Uh, but there's a lot there to unpack. So I want to start with the Heroes League. If you'd like to talk about that mm-hmm. a little bit more, of course. Um, that was a fantastic insight that you had. That you just realize it's a good idea for the health of the game, but it's not for you. And that's really uh, that's really important because we definitely talked about that from the beginning uh, when the Heroes League was announced that the Diamond One sandbox was a lot of fun for a lot of people and the competitive nature of the Heroes League would be fun for a different set of people. And there's not a lot of overlap uh, in that Venn diagram, I think.
0: I mean, there have been some ways of getting to sort of Try to turn the Heroes League into a fun sandbox. I know, for example, Overdrive, and uh, our our favorite god from last month, Zimu, uh, uh, did a race to the bottom uh, that they are now currently coming back up from. Um, you know, I I, I I suppose there's there's that's using the Heroes League in a way unintended, but at the same time, um, it's it's certainly not the same competitive. Uh, uh, uh environment that the top you know 10 or 20 players are in right
2: definitely not and look being somewhere kind of in the middle of the pack um you know I've, I've spent the whole season around like 200 to 250 before i'm starting to try to make a little late late month push like i would see people playing toward the lower end of the heroes league playing fun stuff and not really concerned about trying to rank up it looked like and i was definitely doing the same thing for a little while in the middle there trying to trying to use different things but to what arthur said it's very hard to experiment when all of your opponents are running really optimized decks like you you do get a good handle on if it works or not very quickly um but you don't get a good handle on why it doesn't work, what cards are the ones that are holding you back and need to be changed. Um, you know, really, it, it's hard to get the repetition in and the uh, different use cases in that really help you refine a deck.
1: Yeah, to Subaika's point, it, it really feels like it becomes it becomes just a game of like counterpicking what you see up there instead of playing what you want in the way that you want. And um, I guess I forgot to mention, but... Um, like the biggest motivators I have for games in general is not winning it's uh you know getting better right and you know after reaching the top for so long you know I mean I know I can definitely make it up there I know I'm competitive so now it's like okay how can I get better and you know one of, one of the biggest ways I do that is to try and discover new decks I mean much like my really proud uh, trunk beam decks and it's and it's many different variants that I've been playing around and finding really good success in. I mean, I, I finally breached 1400 with Trunk Beam. And I, I'm pretty sure people didn't expect that.
0: <laughs> I didn't expect I that, sure to be didn't. honest. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but like, it's totally doable. And I love, I love that. I love showing my limits and my skill by sort of handicapping, but also not really, because sometimes you really discover something that is real Like when I was playing around with Zuri before it even got buffed, and look, now it's in every Swarm deck.
2: And now, in fact, uh, number one, Thomas Petri, is running a a Zuri Swarm deck. Yeah, yeah. Everybody's surprised because we all had Swarm pegged as the worst of the four factions. (laughs) uh, Yeah. And he says, no, no, I'm going to take it to number one spot.
1: Yeah, and I, I just love, like, you know, seeing how much further I can push my limits. You know, whether I'm losing or winning, it doesn't matter if I can take something away from it. But if it's like oh I lost because like I just didn't have the cards in that moment even though I have it in my deck or like you know if I'm struggling to um beat particular people in Heroes League then you know to get better I just have to play more meta decks. But like I know how to play more meta decks. It's it really I don't find any satisfaction whatsoever. It's like I know I'm like I'm I, I kind of sound like I'm digging my own grave by not playing meta decks, but that's just not how I have fun, guys.
2: Playing the cards and putting the units on the board is a small part of the game. Uh, trying to understand the larger picture, trying to pick out which decks, which archetypes are going to be good in this particular climate that the game is in. Uh, trying to craft new decks. Trying to um, Uh, come up with new cards trying to pick which cards are the right tech cards for the moment right these are all very different skill sets and not a lot of players actually uh, uh, have all of them are good at all of them or enjoy all of them and like you have your area of the game that you really like and that's it's important that you know what that is and When the Heroes League gets added to the game, it does change the game and it makes certain parts of the game, at least, you know, very different.
1: Yeah.
0: And there is something psychological about the crown score, right? Like even if you just say, well, look, I just want to go to the Heroes League because I want the end of season rewards and I want to... Just meme it up. I'm just going to have fun. I'm just going to do whatever. There is something emotionally bruising about dropping, you know, 150 crowns in a sitting when you're like, I thought this idea worked. And now it's just clear that it, you know, it, yeah. it, it did not. You know, it really hits um, in
1: a different way, doesn't it? <laughs> it,
0: it? It's funny that it does because, you know, as, as Subaiku has tried to point out before, uh, the scores are made up and the points don't count. Um, but at the same time, you know, it, it is the first time that you can kind of see where you're ranking. And I, I'm actually, I, I noticed this last month, I found being outside the top 100, very liberating because I'm just, I'm not in the top 100 list. You can't see where I am. I could be one Oh one for all, you know, I could also be five Oh one, you know? And and so this month I've actually spent most of the, the month in the top 100. Uh, I fell out recently, and now I'm just kind of feeling this itch to try to get back in to prove, no, 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 I belonged in the top 100. Uh, so there is something psychological about that for sure. It definitely
2: does hurt to watch the the crown score go away. And even if you're saying to yourself, the score is made up, the points don't matter. It's it's still you're watching it and you're like, oh, gosh, I'm losing something. And you know, even if you had like a six, seven, eight game lose streak in Diamond 1, like you never really noticed, like you knew it, but you didn't really internalize it, and there were no ramifications. Now, the ramifications are presented to you after every single match.
1: Yeah, and especially for some people out there who don't really, who, who kind of take the crowns at face value as something that really represents someone's skill and experience in the game like for example if they're like top 100 and then they face someone like not even diamond one and having that sort of psychological bias where it's like oh this person i am expected to win against this person and that they're you know you know it it should be a winning matchup for you against the this diamond two person but because of the way stormbound works and that diamond two has like max levels it's just a matter of Well, is that person actually good? Is that person actually bad? You know, when you lose to them, not only do you feel like, dang, did I really just lose the expected favored matchup, but I also get punished severely for it. And I know not a lot of people understand that, like, the difference in skill really between, like, top diamond versus, like, you know, middle or middle high of Heroes League is really not that much.
2: Yeah, I think we've always said from. From the start of the Heroes League, it skill is very important, and you can definitely notice. Um, you know, I I don't want to speak for everybody, I can definitely notice when I'm playing against somebody in the top twenty, top fifty versus somebody in the top three hundred. You know, there's there is a usually a big difference, but a lot of it also just comes down to your willingness to grind. Like you got to sustain a decent win rate which means you have to be pretty good, but you also just have to play a lot of games in order to get that high on the leaderboard. And man, that that's the part that's really hard.
0: Yeah, I, thinking back to Hearthstone, I remember there was one time I, I actually queued into a pro and we weren't even in Legend. I think I was in a, at rank four. Uh, this is back in the old days of how Hearthstone did their their leagues. And so I think I was like rank four or three, and I I ran into him. And I remember at the time thinking, jeez, like, I thought he was one of the best players in the world. And then it turns out, well, of course he is. He just came back from back to back tournament weekends, uh, traveling the world. One of the tournaments was in like Asia, and the other one was in Seattle. And so he hasn't touched ladder. <laughs> like he's not obligated to get to to the top end of of legend uh, ladder in the first five days. You know what I mean? So So that's for me, that's been one of the things that's been kind of funny about this is, is like I queue into a Diamond 2 player. And one of the first things I'm trying to figure out is, well, is it someone who's trying to make the like Diamond 1 for the first time? Or is this like a, you know, a top 20 player who just, you know, hasn't picked up the game until now because they know they didn't need to grind all month to make the top 100. And that's really all they care about. The, the rank is... Um, I don't. I don't want to say it's it's a it's it's fake, but but it doesn't tell you everything about your opponent's skill. It just no. tells you where they are right now.
2: But it is the driver for the difference in crowns that you get with a winner. Sure loss.
0: is. So even though it has
2: no real reflection on your opponent's skill a lot of the time, or your opponent's card levels a lot of the time, it's still what ends up driving. Uh, a lot of the frustration
0: yeah that's true
1: all right well how about we talk about some things that maybe we'd like to have changed for heroes league right because um uh from what i heard from what someone said uh kitty actually she had a really interesting uh also really significant change and i'm not saying this is what you should do i'm just throwing out some of the ideas that some people have come up with. And she was saying that why should Heroes League be like a monthly thing? Why can't it just be a global leaderboard that just goes on like forever? You know, like like in other games, really. It's not like some kind of monthly push, you know?
2: The reason why you can't do a global leaderboard is because you can't have new people come into it, you know, three months after the merc's been playing 125 games a day and winning 123 of them. And like nobody can catch up, right? right. The monthly and, reset, correct? The monthly reset allows for a fresh new competition and, in theory, fresh new players to enter every month. And, you know, you could certainly argue for hey, why don't we do it for just the last two weeks of the month, just the last week of the month, and try to shorten the season artificially. So that people still have the beginning of the month as a sandbox oh, before that's the, a the real push. Interesting
1: idea. I really
0: like that idea. Wait, so 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 you you make it to the Heroes League, and for the first three weeks of the Heroes League, whenever you get in, doesn't matter. Nothing. Everybody's everybody's crowns are still just a thousand because it doesn't matter. You play, you experiment, whatever, and then the final week of the season it turns into, uh, okay, well, now everybody's optimized their decks and they think they know what the meta is going to be, go. So that would really help with what I think the biggest problem
2: is, and that's a lot of players are unwilling to experiment with the cards in Heroes League, with their decks in Heroes League, right? What happens is you have a deck that does win and gets popular and ends up dominating the meta just because... People know that it works, so they'll play it.
0: Mm, yeah, 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 yeah.
2: Anybody who experiments, like we talked about earlier, tends to lose a lot of crowns. And for most people that don't have the time to put in, that's that's something that they can't get back. So you're punished for experimentation. You're punished for creativity unless you stumble onto something that really works right out of the gate. Um, I'd love to see something that allows for that kind of experimentation so we can get a little more diversity in what we play against. Um, now people's collections being what they are, maybe you don't get diversity in what you play against because it's so hard to level up a wide variety of cards to level five but we'll, we'll talk about that later
1: on. I really yeah, yeah. I really like that idea. I think another one I, I have that you know can apply to a lot of aspects of the game but just something to throw out just to like mix it up every like month they can have like some sort of like modifiers um like let's say a handful of cards that are probably not seeing a lot of play rate like at all um having them in your deck and winning gives you a little bit more crowns than if you didn't you know and then maybe and then like it each month it's going to be a new set of cards and people can maybe discover or oh yeah maybe it's not even a crown thing maybe it's just you get resources from it you know you know, are kind 10 of ten extra gold encouraged. for winning with avian stalkers. Yeah, that that's pretty interesting, right? It would definitely help the creativity, and you know, it would you know make it so that the game isn't as stale for too long, right?
0: How hilarious! How, wait, think about this. How hilarious would it be if farmers in Platt? Started playing like the worst possible deck, simply try to, trying to maximize the number of gold they got per game.
1: <laughs> and they're playing
0: be... like avian stalkers and wetland deceivers. I feel like this,
1: you, the that's deck. still better than just the farmers playing three decks, you know? <laughs> no,
0: that, would be good. that would be awesome.
1: That would be cool. Like you'd
0: know right away. You'd queue in, you're like, base health 20. What is going on? Or, well, I guess base health 17. Is he a farmer? And then you see the wetland deceivers. You're like, oh my gosh, it is.
1: I bet you he has tricky
0: Alderman in there.
1: Oh, yeah. But I guess one of the counterpoints for something like that is not everyone has such an extensive, diverse collection to even play with, right? And then those people who maybe don't have a particular modifier card for that month, you know, won't be able to, like, reap those kind of rewards while other people can. And so I want to slowly move ourselves towards a different part of the topic, which is the economy, guys. What do you guys think about it?
2: This is probably the biggest pain point for the majority of the players. And frankly, I'm surprised that this is not related to why you're leaving Arthas. (laughs) You know, it's just progression is so slow. And we've talked about that in the past. But it's so hard to level up a wide variety of cards to level five. We focused a lot when we talk on how to get the most out of a single deck, right? How to get the most out of a single faction, how to get the most out of your collection by focusing on cheap neutral cards, all of our guns that we're going to recommend you slot into pretty much every deck, right? Like Spend your fusion zones on Wild Saber Paws because you'll use it everywhere. But how do you switch from a Swarm Rush deck to a Winter Control deck when Wild Saber Paws is the only card in common there? You know, you've really got to have a ton of resources and it takes so long to accumulate the cards themselves. And then it takes so much longer to accumulate a thousand gold for each to get it up to level five. And we've been in the game a relatively short period of time. But my understanding is that level five is something that was added well after the game was established just because. You know, basically because paladin was looking to give people something to do with their gold like everybody had a ton of gold they're like oh well a thousand gold for getting your cards up an extra level here you go now now there's more content spend your gold uh, which is a terrible way to approach the problem and now we're all left with the consequences of that decision
0: yeah this is this is certainly my biggest pain point like i'm I am super excited for the new winter card coming out right that's that they've leaked um the it's structure went, awesome. Right? no, not the structure, the the unit that's like a structure, (laughs) the unit. I love, it's a two drop That's seven health that freezes. It's it's a gorgeous, gorgeous, cheap unit. That's going to be so good for doing things like activating a miswives and protecting it into a corner on your opponent's baseline. Oh, when I think about how excited I am for that. And then I recognize that I don't have anything near level five. It won't be seven health for me. <laughs> it's going to be like two health. What am I getting? Uh, uh, it's going to, you know, and the amount of resources that I need to pour into this one new card just so that I can play it. You know, for me, that's huge. I, I, I actually am sitting on two gold rimmed cards that are both level four currently, uh, Potion of Growth and Overchargers. I don't have 2000 gold. And even if I did, I have so many other things that I want to spend it on like brawl or like maybe, you know, I just leveled up edric to four, which I was super excited about. I don't know when I'm going to have a, a, what I would consider loose thousand gold to put into either, let alone 2000 for both. I think those guys are going to stay level four for a long time. You can put 2000 gold into upgrading two cards
2: from level four to level five. When you don't play either one regularly, Correct. or you can get six or seven cards into a semi playable state where they're going from level 3 to level 4 and yeah they're they're not as strong as they could be but at least there's something you can use and you can play with
0: and try them out right exactly and then know whether or not i want to put more into them later right yeah
1: i'd say like i really one of the biggest things i don't like about the economy is not that it's slow because slow can be dealt with patience Right, and some people have it, some people don't. Um, but what I really don't like about it is how everything revolves around gold, 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 gold. Gold to upgrade cards, gold to buy books to get random cards you don't like. Maybe one of them you do. Gold to to play into brawl, right? To get some of those other resources. But it's just like why? Why is everything in? for gold, because now when you do, you know, a lot of people would maybe argue that 1000 gold for leveling a five is not that much. That's fine. Like if you're if you if you love to play the game a lot, 1000 really isn't a lot. You get that in like two days, I believe, or two or three days. I don't even remember now. But um, really, yeah, yeah,
2: two days from two days from guess from quests and gold cap. But that assumes sure. you have the time to right. hit the gold cap. Right, exactly. mo- yeah.
1: Sure, maybe 1,000 as a value doesn't mean much, but you're not just paying 1,000 in terms of just a number. You're also paying this sort of opportunity cost where, like, if you spent this 1,000 now, you won't be able to buy 10 noble books because of it. You won't be able to go up to the 10 fusion stone mark in Brawl anymore. you It really feels like you're sacrificing more than just a number of this currency but also sacrificing your other options just to go just to upgrade a card you know or it works vice versa too like playing for brawl then when am i ever going to upgrade my card i don't have the gold for that you know i, right. I just really you can spend
2: your gold on noble books or on the brawl to accumulate resources and then you have all these resources that you just got and you're excited for and now you have to grind gold for a week in order to do anything with them
1: yeah, it's just like you can't do it all at once, you know, you're you just you're like kind of forced to pick which direction you're going to be going.
0: There, there, there have definitely been times where I've thought about buying one of the packs, like spending money on one of their packs of like, you know, 30 or 50 cards or whatever. And I'm like, oh, that would be so nice. I'd love to get more copies. Maybe I'd get a couple more copies of Toad or whatever. Right. And then I immediately recognize, well, wait a minute, I wouldn't have anywhere near the gold to level up and like it would they would all be useless copies because the amount of gold I have is totally insufficient to do anything with those extra cards, even if they were gifted to me right now. Right? Like just think about that. You 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 give me a huge stack of a hundred cards, I should be thrilled. And in fact, my reaction to it right now would be, well that's going to be a few months before I can actually use any of them because that's a lot of gold I need.
2: Yeah, I've kind of never understood why this game has three resources to begin with, like gold to buy cards, fusion zones to compensate for cards that you don't pack. That that makes sense. Rubies are now like basically gold gold plus, right? Yeah, they're premium uh, gold. You use them to get a better chance at a higher rarity cards, fine. And then you also have to spend the gold that you're using to accumulate cards on the upgrades for the cards themselves. And it's fine at level, it's fine going from level one to two, it's fine going from level two to three, and then it starts to really add up after that.
0: Yeah, even three to four is a little on the pain, pain painish side, but I, I think it's tolerable. The four to five is just so difficult. And and you know, to everybody's point here, how much gold did I put into, let's say, potion of growth to get it where it is? I haven't fused it ever. So the only way, way I got all of those copies is either from buying noble books or from end of season rewards or from the daily. So at this point, it's just like, well, I've already put so much gold into potion of growth to get all the copies. Now you want another thousand for it. That yeah. just hurts.
1: <laughs> right. So that's why I want to talk about one of the uh, ideas I have for the game. You know, whether they take it or not. Um, but I see this done in many other games that require, like, you know, a lot of grinding. Right? Because grinding is not, like, a foreign aspect of a game. It's it's out there. It's a very common thing. But, like, I think that there should there should be some sort of passive card income in the game that has nothing to do with gold. You know, like... For example, like, with Clash Royale, just simply winning a game, you get a chest, and then, you know, it, you unlock it, but it takes, like, eight hours or so, maybe less, maybe more, to get this, you know, the cards from it. And you didn't need to spend any sort of, like, hard-earned currency. It's just from being active in the game. And then something like something like that already, on its own, flat-out improves the economy, but now, how can how can the company benefit from this, right? Because this one's obviously helping the players. But, well, I mean, like many other games, like with the whole like uh, unlocking through time, or um, with ads, it really can easily be mon- monetized through that. So s- something that like Sheepyard can do is like easily monetize this passive card income by like making it so that maybe the players can watch ads, to like maybe increase the, you know the well decrease the waiting time to unlock these sort of like books and get the you know the kind of free cards from them and it's not people don't really seem to mind really you know watching ads especially because it's so encouraged after you win a game you get quadruple the the victory i'm pretty sure everyone's used to watching ads at this point
2: yeah, I love it. I would absolutely like to see more rewards implemented for playing the game and fewer rewards implemented for spending money in the game. And, you know, I 100% agree Sheepyard is a business. Like they need to see some sort of income from the game or else it it's not going to be around for us to play. Um, but uh, hopefully they can make that up in other ways, you know, as a, uh, as a person with a kid who, who plays Fortnite? I can tell you, monetizing cosmetics is certainly something that's viable, uh, but <laughs> but people are a lot less likely to spend on things like cosmetics when they really need those resources for you know, progression of and growing their collection. Um, it, it feels like you're make, having to make a trade off there, and you, you tend to trade toward the one that is functional. Oh, as opposed to the one that's cosmetic.
0: Yeah, I, and and I still think the 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 thousand gold to upgrade to level five is just it it's it's so onerous that it it siphons away in game resources that would have been put to other things. Like I, I think there'd be a lot more people playing Brawl, for example, if you didn't have to pay gold to upgrade your cards after you've already accumulated. Yeah, them, right? uh, I want to add a small thing. And then
1: to that sure go ahead i mean like you said more people would be playing brawl because now it's not really like taking away opportunities from them and you know that also kind of solves a little bit of the brawl matchmaking if more people are playing there's more chance you're gonna match with someone that's you know fairly leveled with you you know (laughs) instead of the 20 hp versus 12 hp kind of deal (laughs)
2: So I will say uh, before we close out this section on the economy, which has been a, a real buzzkill, um, I do want to at least give Sheepyard a little bit of credit here um, because when they took the game over, it was in such a worse state. You oh, know yeah. Now the the daily login rewards, the ability to spend $5 to the premium login rewards um, – The shop offers with the vanishing packs are much more uh, reasonable than the standard coins and rubies in the shop. Um, So they do recognize that it was in a bad state and they have taken steps to address it. I would just certainly argue that they haven't taken it far enough.
0: Yeah. I mean, for sure, there was not a lot of freebie every day, right? There was watch an ad and get a free card and that was it. Um, and now with the logins, you're absolutely right. There's there's a lot more resources that we are getting than we used to. But in terms of the amount of time it takes to be able to bring a second faction into your wheelhouse to be able to be competitive, let's say you know plat, diamond, or heroes league, it, it takes a long time. It's it's a it's a grind to get there,
1: especially with the uh, ever increasing card pool. <laughs> I would hope to expect an also ever increasing economy.
0: <laughs> you know? Well, right. That's the thing is I want to adopt some of these cards. I you know, I want to bring them into the game. I want to make their card releases successful. And I, you know, and I can't <laughs> I'm gonna try the best I can, but I, I, I can't actually be as effective a champion for their new cards as I'd like to be, because quite frankly, it just costs too much. Oh, goodness. Hopefully we see this a uh, uh, change over time. To, to Sabaiku's point, it is something that we have seen very positive signs from Sheepyard on. Um, but there's still, you know, they're walking in the right direction, but they're not at the destination yet, I think is the best we can say about it. Um, moving on from there, uh, uh, Arthas, this being your final episode, we thought we would let you Choose the card of the week, and you have selected rightly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sunbeam Serpents.
1: Yes, guys, Sunbeam Serpents, my favorite card in the game. And uh, right, if you don't already know, Sunbeam Serpents is a Shadowfin Dragon. It's an epic, and it is five mana and having the strength of two, three, four, five, and six from levels one to five, having a one speed. And its effect is, on play, gain the strength of the strongest friendly dragon on the board. And uh, that was cool because back before, you know, the beginning of this year, um, it, it, needed, it needed an actual bordering friendly dragon. Now you can play it anywhere on the board. It's going to take the strongest dragon that you have. It's so much easier to uh, actually set up now. And because of that one giant change, I devoted a lot of my time... And uh, and it was so so rewarding when I realized how how powerful it really is and how much more fun it sparked into the game again. Um, yeah, I mean I have so many like different like chunk beam decks. I call it chunk beam because it's a it's just uh it's just focused on buffing up a dragon and then using Sunbeam to either pressure or defend, you know. And I've just had so much fun and I know i've I've helped people also discover that fun with me. Well, what what do you guys think about the card in your experiences?
2: I have played around with one of the many variants of the chunk beam deck. It is hilarious fun. Um, your opponent knows it's coming, but they can't <laughs> stop it because it. If you can position well defensively to survive the early game, you know, just play a little conservatively, uh, push your opponent back. Eventually. Something is going to survive, or eventually you'll get to a turn where you get to go, you know, spare dragonling into into sunbeam, and all of a sudden, like, okay, I've I've made a monster. Please
1: deal with
0: it. <laughs> yeah, or worse, I've made two monsters. Yeah,
1: there you go. Yes. <laughs> Not even that's true is gonna save you. <laughs> right, because that's the
2: thing. The sunbeam is only five or six strength higher than the other dragon. So <laughs> if you made a twenty strength sunbeam. Great. Good job. But there's still a 15 on the board
0: somewhere else. <laughs> right. And, and because of the bordering thing being taken off, a lot of times you can both defend and pressure simultaneously, which you couldn't do before, right? Before you needed to either put both dragons defensively or offensively to the detriment of your base health. Um, now you can split them however you need to, which is just so much more versatile.
2: Right. And and that, I think, is what gives it a huge advantage over something like, say, Lady Rhyme. Like, Lady Rhyme is a fantastic winter legendary because she lets you use all your mana every time you have her in your hand. But a lot of the time, you can choose to attack or defend, not both. So if you have to play her defensively, your opponent has a lot of time to just straight up ignore it and try to kill you before she reaches their baseline. You know, like with the sunbeam, you've got multiple large units on the board. You can, like you said, you can set one up to attack and then still, Hey, it's only five mana for me to go play this defensively and clear your largest unit or, to put it on my second row and you can't break through in order to get a runner in. And now I'm just going to win next
1: turn. Yeah. And, you know, on top of Sunbeam already uh, showing how strong it really is, my real favorite thing about it is how much diversity and experimentation it really brings to the table. I mean, Sunbeam alone was able to bring cards like a uh, potion of well, potion of vitality now, <laughs> and things like um, wandering worms, you know, back into the meta, and one of the more exciting cards that I've found that really works so well is Kindred's Grace. I don't really see people f- playing Kindred's Grace anymore, and then I know it got buffed like several, several months ago, and just like an extra one strength to the targeted unit, but then now that it actually works in in the Sunbeam deck it's just like, oh my gosh, my deck is now, like, half of it is cards that weren't considered meta, people that don't play or don't even see, but hey, look, I am really competitive with it now, and I love that this kind of change that Sheepyard is able to bring to the game is actually, you know, something really significant, and I know that they're capable of doing this more in the future. It's just, it was just such a lovely way to just really um, reignite that spark in my passion for the game. I do trust that Sheepyard is definitely going to bring the game to the game that I wish and a lot of people would wish it to be. I know and I would trust that it gets there. It's just, you know, it's just going to take some time. Maybe I'll get back when it does get to that state that I would love it to be. I'll still be in the community, guys. Don't worry. I'm still going to be there helping run and host events. I'll still be in the Discord. I'm still going to be very active there because... Although I may be quitting the game, I'm not quitting the community. I'm still there for you guys. And so, yeah, you bet you bet that I'll be there.
0: Well, awesome. I think that's a good place to leave it for tonight, guys. That's going to end the, the main portion of our episode, uh, which means it's time for me to remind you one last time to contact us if you like, preferably in our channel on the Stormbound Discord where you will still find Arthas uh on twitter at the brood sages or pardon me on twitter at brood sages and you can always email us at the brood at gmail.com uh we do have an additional way for you to reach out and support us we have started a couple of months ago now a gumroad account where you can become patrons of our work you can check out that link in our stormbound kitty page uh we did hear from one listener this week uh Ubermensch, who asked what happened to the cams uh, <laughs> that was kind of a <laughs> one-off teaser where we tried to uh distract everyone from the fact that we didn't know what to talk about <laughs> so we
1: just no, yeah, they just stared at it. our
0: <laughs> just stared at our ugly mugs for a while going that's really what their voices look like <laughs> uh so the next time we don't know what to talk about you'll see our faces one more time uh that's gonna do it for this episode for Arthas for the last time and Subaiku I am Freeloader we are the Brood Sages reminding you to stay hydrated